City Rev Life Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Jeremy, and I'm with Pastor Craig. Um, We're going to be in a series where we're going to be talking about relationships, dating, marriage. Yep. Um, And it's a bit of an interesting one, Craig. Yeah. Uh, A bit of an interesting one. So uh, as far as what the topics will uh, will, will be in, it's going to be about should, should, should dating couples live together? Uh, should you marry somebody from um, another faith? Yeah. Um, for the sake of today, we'll be talking about the first topic, which is should dating couples live together? Um, and I mean, before we answer the question, if you don't mind, Craig, why 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 do couples live together? So we we hear this a lot, right? This is common in the church. This is something that we, I feel like, for a long time, people have known like hey the christian faith um, according to the bible it's not wise it's not recommended for couples to live together but we get a lot of pushback on it right because it makes a lot of sense for a lot of people uh, at least up front at least logically right so they say hey a couple's in a committed dating relationship and it's a lot simpler uh financially a lot of times for couples to say well we'll just you know live together it's, it's smarter you know i get I, we don't have to pay two rents now we can just pay one rent save money right you have that argument um, a lot of it too is that people who are dating like to spend time together, right? And it's no fun when you're, you know, in a loving dating relationship and you're, you know, eating d- dinner together and, and you know, spending time together, and then one of you's got to go home, right? You got to go drive across town, and you got to go to your apartment, and a lot of people just, you know, miss that time uh, with one another. Uh, and so those are those are a couple big ones. I think in our culture too, there's this view that. Uh, living together before marriage is kind of the next step for a dating relationship. I think that's the normal view, right? Like, so like a lot of couples will uh, start dating one another. And then when it gets serious, they'll live together. That's like the, the, the trial period, right? Where they're going to try it out. They're going to see if they enjoy being together. The thinking is, do we enjoy living together? Do, does it work well, you know, living together? Does it work well? And then if that goes well, then maybe we'll get engaged and maybe we'll get married down the line. But it's just that next logical step for a lot of people uh, when they think through their dating relationships these days. Now, is is that the right thing to do? So for a long, long, long time, um, Christians have taught that couples shouldn't live together before they're married. That's been the, the common practice, the wisdom uh, from the biblical principles that we see, uh, from just the teaching of the church historically. Uh, we know that for a long time, right, couples shouldn't live together before they get married. I think the big question is why, right? Like, mm-hmm. like what's the reasoning behind it, right? Other than just like, why? Like, is it just for a long time, it was like, oh, it was kind of like taboo and just the society looked down upon it. Things have changed now. It's not really the case now. But there's still good reasons that the Bible teaches us of why couples shouldn't live live together. And really what comes to mind, the primary uh, verse that comes to mind for me is in 1 Corinthians. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6.18, the Apostle Paul writes uh, for Christians that we are to flee from sexual immorality. Uh, he says, every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. And I think that wording there is is really important because when you read, especially in the New Testament, when you read about sexual sin, uh, the words are uh, intense. The words are uh, cautious. The words are strong like this, like flee from sexual immorality. This is stronger than just avoid sexual immorality or stay away from, but flee, run from it, right? And there's other verses that have this kind of language. And the idea that the Apostle Paul is pushing is that this is really, really important 
for a Christian to avoid. Sexual immorality is really important for a Christian to avoid. And so his advice is to flee from it, right? And so when we think about fleeing from sexual immorality, uh, really the heart behind it that I think the Apostle Paul is saying, and you can see it from other verses like that passage in James where it talks about temptation, right, is this idea that we are to run from sexual temptation. And this is probably the biggest warning and the biggest reason why uh, Christians advise other Christians to not live together before you get married is because it's really hard to flee from sexual immorality when you are living together and you're sleeping in the same home and maybe even for some couples sleeping in the same bed, right? Yeah. And like still trying to be Christian, still trying to do it, but but still trying to hold that, you know, sexual ethic of saving themselves from marriage, but then living in the same place makes it really difficult to do that because there's just not a lot of barriers or obstacles in your way mm-hmm. uh, for, for uh, pursuing sexual immorality. So uh, the Apostle Paul says we should flee from sexual immorality. And one of the reasons why couples... Uh, should live apart before they get married is that it, it it adds a little bit of a barrier, a buffer and some obstacles in the way uh, of sexual morality. And it's, it's, you know, for your own, the sake of your own soul, right? Yeah. Like don't, don't get yourself entangled in something, make it more difficult for you to indulge in sin. That's just a good Christian practice. Right. Um, and so living apart helps that. Right? Yeah. I, I have a question though, because yeah. Uh, the Apostle Paul is making a clear command to to flee from sexual morality. And then he says, every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. And I don't think he's saying that sexual sin is technically worse than Mm -hmm. any other sin, but it does have a different effect. Whereas um, a lie which would come out from your mouth to another individual wouldn't have an effect internally, but in the way that it's put here, sexually, sexual uh, sin um, affects, infects you from the inside out. Yeah. So what, what would that look like? So we know that all sin is destructive, right? And one of the, one of the real uh, beauties of Scripture and one of the, uh, some of the wisdom behind the Scriptures is that God, uh, God protects us from sin partly because of the way that it protects our society as a whole, right? So when you think of like the moral commandments, like the Ten Commandments, right? And you think about how, you know, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not lie, right? We can see how if people uh, were to commit those sins, right? Murder, theft, lying, that it would have a, a destructive impact on the community, right? Like how could you have a society if people were just doing all that all the time, right? Like you couldn't function together, a community couldn't work together. And so a lot of it's to protect the community. And when we talk about sexual immorality, there's some of that, like protecting other people, protecting their heart, protecting their body, protecting families, protecting children. Like part of that is is why sexual morality is um, a sin and, and is warned against so strongly. But also what's interesting about sexual immorality is that there is a deeply destructive personal effect on our lives, right? And so we think of like, um, you know, some of the old cases, right? Like you think about like uh, sexual transmitted diseases, things like that, right? Like there's there's harmful, like you're exposing your body to uh, maybe something harmful in a partner. Uh, but also just the, uh, the mental aspect uh, and the guilt and the shame that comes from it, right? There's like a lot of parts where uh, sexual immorality affects you personally, even even more than just the community. So I think the apostle Paul is worried about it, worried about that too, right? So he's he's warning us of these things, not just because you know he wants us to not have fun or he wants us you know to pay two rents or to be difficult, right? But he's warning us of these things because 
uh, all of the holiness codes in scripture are trying to lead us to a better way and a better life. And so what the Apostle Paul is really getting at is for the sake of the believer, for the sake of your soul, like this is better to flee sexual immorality. This is better for you. That's what he's he's pushing and, and, and calling Christians to live holy for because it's a better way, a better path. Mm. Um, so, so what I'm hearing is that, you know, when, 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 when sex is taken outside of its proper context, Mm -hmm. which is in the confines of marriage between a husband and a wife, it causes harm to, to, to individuals who are practicing it, who are not married to each other, who who are not. Yeah. committed to each other in that way. Yeah, it certainly complicates things and likely um, it will likely cause harm. I think that uh, sex is a good thing given from God. It's a gift from God. And um, sexual desire was put into people naturally, right? It's a good thing given God. But it was designed for uh, marriage, right? Designed for a purpose, right? So designed to to drive a husband and wife together, designed to create families, designed to uh, create a bond that would protect children, right? When you take all these things outside of marriage, it causes a lot of complications. And not to say that God can't redeem those things or work through that, because there's messy families that God works in, and he helps people, and his grace, you know, sufficient. And, and but it's just thinking like, okay, well, what's the ideal? Um, the ideal would be, hey, this is something that is, that is saved, protected for, for marriage, and it's a good Thing, a blessing for that marriage and then for the family that it creates. That's really what we think God's design uh, and intention was for, for sex. Yeah, so, so God, in um, creating sex for marriage uh, and not for just anybody, not just to be practiced in leisure, um, he, put that in, he, he put that commandment in to protect us like yeah. as, as, as guardrails. Yeah. Not to deprive us or, or keep us from something good, but if this is to happen, not only correctly but in the best way, it needs to be in the proper. Yeah, it needs it needs to be in the proper order, and also I think there's a little bit of a uh, sanity check on our culture as well, where sex has become. Uh, such, if I can use the word idle, but just su- such an important thing for so yeah. many people in their life and really the driving thing for so many people, especially young people in our world, right? Like like sex is a motivating factor for many, many things in their life. Like they, okay, I got to have a good car. Or I got to have a good you know job. I got to have a good image. Like I got to you know be on these dating apps. I got to meet these people. So like it, it all kind of drives and points to so I can meet someone and so it can lead to this, right? Mm-hmm. And I think the Bible brings some wisdom there of saying, hey, like sex is a good thing given given from God, but it's not the most important yeah. thing in your life, right? Like there's bigger things in life too, right? The, like the following of God, the love of God, the worship of God, the service of neighbor, um, the, the love of your family, like building something important uh, in your life and in your community. And when sex kind of becomes the most important thing in your life and your, your life is for sex, it can, it can mess things up. Right? Yeah. It, just, it just turns the, the path and direction of your life uh, off course and it's hard to compete and like seek after God's will when we're just seeking, you know, it's like, it's like you cannot serve two masters, God and money, right? It's almost like in our culture, that's still relevant, God and money, but it's almost like you cannot serve two masters, God and sex, right? Like yeah. you need, you need to keep that um, really in check and in, in, in a sane part yeah. uh, of your life. And I remember you, you saying how like um, living together, couples living together, yeah. um, it's, 
it's prioritized as like a, oh, like this is kind of like segueing into marriage. This is yeah. like preparation, like testing the waters kind right. of. And if let, let's say if that is put into practice, like does it actually work long term? It doesn't. And that's what's really interesting. Uh, so couples that live together uh, actually are more likely to get divorced than couples that don't. And there's a lot of factors that go into this. And the research actually has been changing as culture has been changing. And so you'll read, if you Google it, you'll read some articles about like, hey, living together actually improves your odds of marriage. It's, it's not true. The research is saying that um, living together slightly improves your odds of staying together that first year of marriage. So like the first year, you're one. Uh, you're more likely to stay together if you live together. But after that, for every succeeding year, couples that live together before marriage are more likely to get divorced than couples that didn't, right? Uh, and there's a lot of factors that go into that, right? So a couple that um, maybe holds off on living together is very countercultural. So they're probably... Uh, Christians or they're probably following something bigger than themselves right and so there's so then when they do get together there's probably a deeper commitment to uh, one another and a deeper uh, resistance to divorce but I think there's also just a psychological element of it too of like hey well we you know live together and we're like roommates and now the court system has said we're husband and wife and you know ending my marriage seems to be just like a little bit slightly more complicated way than maybe ending my lease with my roommate, right? And and that's not the design, right? Like I, I think there is something good and healthy about a marriage and a couple joining together, uh, waiting until marriage to live together because there's also just like a day-to-day -day psychological daily life change that happens that reminds you constantly, oh, I'm married now, like I'm committed to this person. Whereas when that's just regular for you and then you, you, know, you go get married, I think it might be harder to see the change and see the impact that marriage has on your day-to-day -day life. Uh, when you've already been living with that person. Again, not to say God can't redeem that. There's a lot of couples that live together and they find the Lord and they you know, want to be obedient to him and they decide to get married. And like, God blesses that and yeah. loves that and that's honoring to him, right? That's a good thing. But I'm saying if you have the choice and you're following after Jesus and walking with him, why not do the wise thing, right? Why not hold off and refrain and give yourself a better chance to say, hey, I want this marriage to be successful. I want to hold off mm. and not live together before we get married because I, I want to be married to this person for the rest of my life, right? So I want to increase those odds as, as much as I can. Yeah, uh, in, in that way, it sounds like th that person is putting the Lord first above um, that relationship and yeah. putting the yeah. other individual's self-interest like before themselves. So with with um with this in mind because as far as like the different reasons as like why couples would want to live to live with each other yeah and also seeing its its effects if going through it long term um uh where it's more of like a like searching for compatibility and stuff like that but yeah what what if there's a different motive involved in like hey like i come from an abusive house um my relationship with my parents isn't the best uh it could be physical it could be verbal but it's just either one or the other individual like they're just they just can't have it at, at their own house yeah and and so this is the safest option for them uh, but they're not married they're christians and this is what it opens the door to so it kind of sounds like they're in the middle they're like at a, at a crossroads of 
Yeah, and my and my heart goes out to those kind of couples, right? With like legitimate reasons, whether it be that, like, hey, I'm not safe at my home, or uh, you know, just talking to couples that, uh, like, I remember talking to a couple, uh, a couple where one partner was in the military, right? And so they're like, well, we want to like be together, and we want to try to you know be near each other, and and it just it just doesn't make sense, right? Like, we, like we want to still honor God, you know, but we're just going to live in the same house and the same roof. And I think for all those, um, all the situations, right? My, my heart goes out to it and it seems like an easy solution, but I would say we would need to fight back or push back on the simple, easy solution for the sake of honoring God and for the sake of our, our witness, right? To the outside world. And so, um, so Ephesians 5 uh, three says, but sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. Right. And there's this idea, um, other verses talk about how Christians are to live above reproach and to have a good reputation, uh, and a good witness in the world. And when a couple's living together, especially like a Christian couple's living together, there's going to be an assumption of sexual immorality. Like that's just the default. People are just going to, people you meet on the street are going to assume that that's what's happening in your home, even if it's not right. Even if it's not fair. And for the sake of our commitment to the Lord and for the sake of our witness and for the sake of like standing out, right. This is one of those issues where I think as Christians, we're called to stand out, not, not fit in. Right. And so for the sake of being a little bit weird and to change that conversation at work and, and uh, open up the door to have conversations about your values and how your life is different and how you're salt and light in the world, I think it would be worth you looking into other options before you lived with your your girlfriend or your boyfriend, right? Like like for that couple that you're talking about, say, hey, like it's not safe at home, or for a couple that's saying, hey, financially, we just can't make it work. There are other options, right? Like you don't have to say, hey, I'm going to go live with my boyfriend or my girlfriend, right? There are other people out there who need roommates. There are other safe living environments. I know it's hard. I know it's challenging, right? Like it's not as easy, not as comfortable. You got to deal with, you know, finding a roommate, finding a place. It's a lot of work. I know that, but there are other options. And so I think it, it kind of, um, is a little bit unfair to say, well, this is my only option. Like, so this is all I can do. I couldn't live at home. So I need to live with them. Like there, there are other options in, in place there. Right. And, and when we go through the effort of saying, Hey, finding roommates or finding another place to live and you're talking, you know, especially, especially as you get closer to marriage, right? Like, and you're engaged and you're talking to people at your workplace and they're like, yeah, you know, you're going over to my fiance's house, you know, this weekend, like, oh, you guys don't live together, right? It, it provides those openings. It provides a chance for conversations for people to say, why? Like, why are you guys not just living together, right? It provides opportunities for you to witness and share your faith and say, hey, I, I don't because I'm a Christian. Here's why, you know, here's what's going on in my life. And just to, to open that door a little bit to have those conversations about your faith, that's that's a real life witness that we can have just through our, our lifestyle, just through living faithfully and trying to be obedient to God, godly principles and biblical principles in our life. Yeah. It like kind of helps us stand out in a way. Yeah. And not in, 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 in like an arrogant, like yeah. connotation, but just like it makes more room for a, another person to, to see Christ through us and in our relationship. Yeah, it's like it's like when you're it's similar to like being involved in a church. I feel like it's very um, countercultural these days, right? Or to give your time uh, to a ministry, right? Like I think about like we're in student ministry all the time, and those people who tell their coworkers, "Hey, I gotta leave today," you know, at, at five because I gotta get to my church and volunteer with the student ministry, right? Like that's 
it's kind of like that where people are like, what, like, what do you do? You know, why are you doing that? And it gives an open door to share about your faith and how your life is a little different from the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. And in a good way, right? These are good things. Like God blesses them, you know, Mm -hmm. I think overall what we see, um, in society is that just marriage is becoming less important, right? Like I just like fewer people are getting married. More and more people are delaying marriage. Like there's a lot of people living together without being married. A lot of people living together, starting families without getting married. Right. And it just doesn't seem to be very important for, for a lot of people, but marriage is really important to God. Like it's very important to him. And so I think for us as Christians, as we try to live according to God's word and live like Jesus, that if something's really important to God, then, then it should be really important to us, right? You think about even just the beginning of the Bible, Adam and Eve were created and God says married, <laughs> like, like they were husband and wife. They weren't just man and woman, they were husband and wife. And so even before the church existed, even before the law existed, marriage existed, right? Like it's like at the beginning, beginning, beginning. Yeah. And there's one verse that really jumped out to me as we were thinking through this and, and thinking through what we were gonna say. And it's Hebrews 13, four that uh, Hebrews 13, four says, let marriage be held in honor among all and let the marriage bed be undefiled for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Like Mm. marriage is important to God. That vow that we make to one another, um, the Bible says is a reflection of Christ's love for the church. And I think that's why it's so important and near and dear to God because it is one of his greatest object lessons in our society and in our world is that the love and commitment between a husband and wife is a reflection of the love and commitment that God's trying to show the world of, of the reflection of his love and commitment towards his people. And so for us, I think as Christians, we're kind of put in this weird space of where marriage is becoming less important in the world around us. But for us, because we honor God and because we love God and because it's so important to God, it should be important to us. So we should try to handle it. Uh, handle it with care. Handle it with care and also handle it in the way that he desires because yeah. he designed it. Yeah. Um and I feel I feel I feel like we've 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 answered this question um throughout our conversation but um I'm just thinking like what let's say there there's a person there's a person there's a person yeah. um who who's a Christian um and he he's he or she he he she he or she says, like, you know, if sex is the way to seal the bond, to seal the the covenant, uh, why do I need to get married? Like, right. like I can say in my own heart that I am committed to this person for life. Why does it need to be documented? Why do I need to have it in a room full of people? Why, why, why do I have to have the traditional like? wedding type of thing like yeah. why can't i just be reliant on the fact that uh, on 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 our consensual commitment to each other right yeah i mean i think it's a legitimate question it's kind of funny um you read about like christians maybe 30 40 years ago and they talk about like you know why do i need to go uh get married in the church when i can just go to the courthouse and do it right and now you have like people saying like why do i need to get married at all right but then if if you're a christian maybe it's well, why don't I just get married at church and then not worry about, you know, going to the courthouse, you know, like do that. Uh, and I would think that it's all kind of changed a little bit. Right. But, but at the heart of it again, is that marriage is really important to God. Right. And we see throughout scripture, even early on, right. Like we see that there are, um, even in Genesis, that there are stories about sex. And then there are stories about marriages 
and they're not the same thing. There's clearly sex outside of marriage, even in the book of Genesis, right? So like, even like Noah, like we see it in Noah, right? Like even in um, the, some of the sons of Israel, right? We see it in Judah's life, right? Like we see like there's sex outside of marriage, that there is a commitment and a covenant made between people. We don't have in the Bible, we don't see like a marriage ceremony like the one we have today where we get together and we say vows. We don't, we don't see a description of that. It doesn't mean that it didn't happen in some form back then, right? But there was clearly some sort of intention and some sort of public knowledge when a couple was married. Together. Yeah. And then we see in the New Testament, especially that there is this commitment that a couple makes before God, that this is a godly institution. This is a God-protected and God-honored institution. Um, and so for us, I think it is right and fitting uh, for us to acknowledge that we are making a commitment before God. And I think, again, you're just think, thinking like, wisdom and practicality it's it's an honorable too right these same things like it protects your witness and and um it shows the outside world that you've made a commitment to one another to make a public uh, recognition of your marriage right so i'm not saying you have to have a big wedding like we do these days i'm not even saying it has to follow all the american traditions right like you got to do this dance or have this music or even say these certain kinds of vows right but i think there has to be at the core of it um, an acknowledgement of a commitment and a vow before God between these two people to reflect Christ's love of the church, right? Like I'm going to love my wife and the wife's going to love the husband the way that Christ loves the church. Like this is a reflection of it, right? This is what scripture says. So there needs to be an acknowledgement of that. And then for the sake of the people around us, for the sake of fleeing sexual immorality, for the sake of our public witness, all right, let's make a public declaration of that. So it could be at a courthouse. I'm okay with that. You know, it could be, you know, you go get some documents signed, right? But at least it's a public thing of saying, hey, like we are, you know, by our state, by our government, in our neighborhood, like we're we're married. Like there, we're we're official. There's a sense of like accountability too. Yeah. There's a sense of yeah. accountability there too. You're right. And then you get into the practicalities too of just like protections in a marriage relationship. Like there's a reason why a lot of these laws exist around marriage because it protects both parties. And so um, I just say it's a good, a good idea. It's good. It's good advice. Good wisdom, right? To get married in the church and yeah, make, make sure you're legally married too. That's a good thing. Like it's going to be for your benefit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in, with everything that we've said, like what's like one like nugget you'd want to share to the audience? I would just say if that was if this we is did you, talk about a lot. We did talk about a lot. But if you're if you're a couple, um, a dating couple and you're thinking about living together, especially if you're Christians, right? My my heart to you would be there's a lot of practical reasons and maybe even logical reasons for you to think like, hey, I want we want to live together first. But that when you give your life to Jesus, to Christ, right? Um, your everything in your life, right, is subservient to following and honoring God, right? Even your living situation and your dating relationships, you know, your sexual ethic, all that stuff is secondary or tertiary, like behind and, and, and below following after God and honoring God in your life. And so as you're making all the decisions in your life, right, you got to think, okay, well, what will honor God the most, right? What, what decision can I make? Which of these decisions will honor God the most and how I live my life? And I would think if you weigh that, in whether you should live with your boyfriend or your girlfriend, like you'll see like, no, I, I want to honor God. I want to protect my witness. I want to honor the, the marriage, but it, it means a lot to him. So it's going to mean a lot to me. So I would just say, Hey, if that's your focus, man, we've given it all. We've surrendered it all to him. Let's continue to even surrender our, our dating relationships 
to him in, in the process. Yeah, it's it's acknowledging that that commitment um, and and everything else being like you said in submission to him yeah. because our lives are first his and um, it's both like honoring to him and it also works in our favor where we're protected. The other individuals protected. Our witness is protected. Yeah. Um, so I think that's really important. Thank you, Craig, for, yeah. for sharing that. Um, well, guys, we'll see you back on the next episode of the City Rev, Li- City Rev Life podcast. See you soon. Thank you so much for listening to the City Rev Life podcast. Feel free to subscribe or leave a rate and review. If you want more content or additional resources, head to cityrev.org or download our app. We hope you have a great day.